0: Well, you saw where we put them, right? Well, I don't think the committee is in existence anymore. Yes. So that could probably happen if people wanted. I'm like, (laughs)
1: I all just know we here. It's a little... A little bit.
0: Good morning. We want to welcome you to the Presbyterian Church on Esdow Island. We love to have visitors, especially first-time visitors. So if you are a first-time visitor, we'd like to give you something to remember us by and explain a little more of the history of the church. Um, If you'll raise your hand, I think the ushers are still on the porch, so Archie, can you kind of know who needs a visitor's bag? bag if If we have any, if you'll raise your hand. We have one visitor over here. We're glad to have you. We hope you'll come back often. Um, there are uh, registries in every queue. If you'll sign your name and give us a little information about you, we would be glad to correspond with you. If anyone needs it, of course, there's the restroom under these stairs in the back. Um, the nursery is over in the ministry center, and I think I'm the only one here today with people. That could go but they won't go. Um, once again we want to welcome Dan, Reverend Dan Holloway, to our pulpit. He will be with us this Sunday and two more Sundays so we're fortunate to have Dan with us. The flowers in the sanctuary today are given to the glory of God by Dawn and Keith Riser in memory of Denise and Delaney McIntyre. The mission committee will meet today in the ministry center, immediately following worship, our Stitch Sisters ministry will meet in the library Tuesday at 10 a.m. If you are interested or need any more information about that, please call. Contact Bonnie Anabinet. Fresh Express returns to our parking lot this Thursday, June the 16th, beginning at 1, while all supplies last. And please remember to bring your bags to pick up your vegetables preschool committee will meet this Thursday at 6 p.m. Contact Trisha Handel for any further information. Anyone interested in beginning the men's breakfast again, we would like to get that started once again. If you will contact either Ted Lockadoo or Jim Murray, um, this is a ministry that is on Saturday mornings, the first Saturday of each month. So please contact them because we'd like to get that started. Now let us turn our hearts to worship as we hear the prelude. Please stand and join me in the call to worship you'll find printed in your bill of Fulton. We have great joy in Christ our Lord who calls and heals us. For a while we remind our sufferings. Yet we are reminded that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Amen. Please bow your head for the opening prayer. Holy, triune God, all that is, all that was, and all that ever will be belongs to you alone. You have spoken to us through your word made flesh. Now guide us into the truth by the gift of your Holy Spirit, so that we may glorify you forever and ever. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing Hymn 139, Come Thou Almighty King.
1: sin, we are self-deceived and strangers to the truth. But if we confess our sin, God is just and may be trusted to forgive every kind of wrongdoing. Believing these words of promise, let us now share together a time of confession, first together and then in silence. Let us pray. You gather, protect, and care for us, your beloved, through word and spirit. This you have done from the beginning of the world, and will do to the end. Have mercy upon us and forgive us for sinning against you. We have not loved one another as we should. We have not sown the seeds of gospel hope. Restore us, Lord. May we give ourselves willingly and joyfully to be of benefit and blessing to one another we may truly share one faith, have one calling, and be of one soul and one mind for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. hear, O God, the silent prayers of our hearts, and set us free by your wondrous grace yet again. In Jesus' name.
0: bow for the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is Psalm 8. O Lord, our Sovereign How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above all the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are humans that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, How majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. The children can come down now for the children's service.
1: Thank you for coming, or for coming back. That's always an encouraging sign for a pastor. So I'm glad that you are here. Let's continue now hearing God's word from the New Testament now, from Romans <coughs> chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Listen again for God's word to all of us. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we are continuing our brief sermon series on God's surprising gifts and the people who embody them. Our conversation today centers around God's remarkable gift of hope and those individuals who give witness to it by their lives. And today, on this Trinity Sunday, we have as our principal biblical witness, the Apostle Paul, who becomes a witness of hope in his words to the Christians at Rome. Let me just read a few of them back to you again. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, I suspect that most of us would agree, in principle at least, that hope is a wonderful thing. Lewis Smeads writes of the power of hope in his book Standing on the Promises, where he offers these words. Has any Mason ever put brick to mortar without hope of eventually building a wall? Has any writer ever put a word to paper without hoping more and better words would follow? Has any entrepreneur ever begun a project without hoping that it would be put into production and find success? Has any addicted person ever broken her addiction without the hope that she could do so? And have any two persons healed their broken marriage without the hope that there was something there worth saving? At some base level, we all know that hope is a wondrous gift that can make all the difference in our lives. And yet, if we are honest, we would also admit that hope can be a bit fleeting these days. A church in the Atlanta area was approaching the season of Advent, and they were in anticipation of lighting the the hope candle on the Advent wreath. And so the pastor invited members of the congregation to share an image of hope that they found helpful. Well, happily, there were several that were very helpful. One person wrote, Hope looks like a warm coat hanging on a coat rack before you step out into the bitter cold. Someone else wrote, hope looks like a baking pan filled with good things being placed into a preheated oven. Another one said, hope looks like a genuine smile offered when you step into a room. Another said, hope looks like the first tentative steps taken with a physical therapist after enduring major surgery. Another wrote, hope looks like vaccine shots for my children. Another said, Hope looks like having another month's rent in hand. Nice answers, all, I think. But perhaps the most poignant response of all in this church survey was the one from the woman who wrote, Honestly, I can't think of one right now. Truthfully, I'm feeling pretty hopeless. Well, I am confident that she was not the only one feeling that way. With the seeming unending balance in recent weeks, with the ongoing cultural and political wars, with the loss of trust in church leaders whose sexual ethics have been found to be abominable, many of us may be wondering about this whole concept of hope. So where did Paul find the capacity to write these kinds of words? Well, it's not because everything was perfect in Rome. Paul was writing to a group of Christians for whom hope was maybe in short supply just then. As Scott Hosey says in his commentary, they lived in the heart of Roman darkness, right under the nose of Caesar himself. They lived in an empire in which the same Caesar was declared deus et dominus, God and Lord, on every coin in their pockets. What's more, the regime was increasingly hostile to the new Christian faith, and before too much longer, it its muscle in trying to get rid of this new band of believers, putting to death even the even very apostle penning this letter to the Roman Christians. Christians. And, it's and it's not, not like Paul's life in all one smooth ride either. When, when you, you remember, remember his time in prison, the, the opponents, opponents who were out to destroy him, and when you remember Thorn in the flesh, from which he so desperately wished to be relieved, is even all that much more remarkable. And yet, this is what Paul believes, and this is what Paul proclaims: we of all people have a reason to live by hope. So how? How does this happen? How could it happen for Paul, and how can it happen for us? But it seems to me that there are a couple of things that are essential for us to claim this form of biblical hope. First of all, we have to understand what hope is and what it is not. See, people sometimes confuse hope and optimism, but they are, in fact, two very different things. This certainly isn't to say that optimism is a bad thing, not at all. Frankly, we could be a few more optimists in this country, people who have the capacity to see the glass as more than half full. What I instead see in increasing numbers are the Eeyores. You know the Eeyores wife from winning the Boo series? That pessimistic donkey? After 48 years of church leadership, I've seen too many Eeyores, frankly, for my test. I would, I would love, love to see, see a, a few more hopeful people, people a, a few, few more optimists. Sadly, there are those who almost to seem to take joy in pronouncing the, the likely, likely failure of new any new idea or any new, new approach to ministry, even, even before it is tried. Some occasional optimism, some occasional optimism in the life of church and willingness to, to engage in some holy experiments experience. would not be a terrible, terrible thing at all. So, so I say thank God for optimism. Thank God for optimism. optimism. I think it's a wonderful and gift. And yet it must also be said that hope is not the same thing as Note that, uh, optimism. Note now that optimism comes from the root word, the same root word as, as optimism, which has, has to do with, do with the eye, eye, with what we can see in front of us, left behind us. All of what you can see in front of you these days is confusing or hard. When you look at the grieving faces of those left behind Buffalo or Vivaldi or Tulsa, it's sometimes hard to see much reason for optimism. When you look at the bombed-out landscape of Ukraine, it's sometimes hard to find much reason for optimism. When you read the latest numbers about people who don't go to church anymore or pastors who are simply Given us, sometimes it feels difficult to be optimistic. Sometimes we really, in fact, have to acknowledge that we're pretty worried about our future. We're pretty worried about our church or our country or our group. In those moments, optimism may not be easy at all to find. Which is why what is needed in those moments is instead hope. What we need is the capacity to imagine a world. Things can be different, where current pain is not seen as the final word. One One man to this display in his online blog. He said, Especially when we are struggling, we need words of hope. We need not just to hear this, two shall pass, we need a vision of something beyond our particular circumstance. We have to hear and eventually see what seems right now totally unimaginable. Yet to imagine and to believe that in God's power, something new and more hopeful can emerge. This is hope. It is a recognition that our current moment, our current pain, does not have the last word. A couple of stories I want to share with you about this.
0: Three years ago,
1: the church I served for so many years, Unity Presbyterian Church in Fort Mill, suffered a devastating fire that did three million dollars worth of damage to the property. Among the many losses were major damage to the historic sanctuary, destruction of the fellowship hall that we call Unity Hall, and the loss of the offices of several members of the staff. One of those. Offices that was majorly damaged belonged to my colleague in ministry, Lindsay White, our associate pastor for youth ministry. She lost most of the precious possessions in her office, but thankfully not all. This is what she wrote on Facebook on the day after the fire. Until about an hour ago, I had been paralyzed with grief and anxiety, as many of us here at Unity have. An hour ago, a firefighter pulled a Bible I had access to my confirmation out of the remains of my office. It's lived through a flood before this and stuck together by duct tape, but it's also the first place I wrote these words Maybe I should be a pastor. I wrote down the questions in that Bible that I had as a teenager that I wanted God to help me with. She words cannot adequately express how grateful I am for the courage of our fearless and tireless firefighters in Fort Mill, and for their willingness to salvage this beat book for me.
0: She concludes, this has brought me so
1: much hope. There will be hard days ahead and this recovery will be slow and
0: painful, but like the
1: Bible, I believe we will come out on the other side cherished and loved by God, united in our love and compassion for one another. She concluded, So keep praying and hope, sweet friends. That's the good news of our faith. We believe we'll come out on the other side of the power of God's grace, and yet there is one more thing we have to say about this, which is,
0: hope is ultimately a gift. One writer said it this way. Hope is a strange muscle. We can work it,
1: we can work it as best we can, but we cannot control it. Hope is ultimately a gift of God based on God's actions in the past, predicated upon God's promises for the future. A timeless way of engendering hope, of working the hope muscle, if you will, is to remember. In the present, no matter how dark or discouraging it might be for you, when you remember God's gracious actions of the past, you can receive hope for the time yet to come. And when we struggle to find personal memories of salvation, we turn to the biblical stories of old, the delivery of a people from slavery, the return of a people from exile, the resurrection of one crucified on the cross. We can remember in those moments that we are not that we, and we have, have never been alone and that even when we suffer losses, losses, as we all do, we have not been abandoned." There,
0: there was a master who, for four years, trained
1: a training group of disciples. The master was coming to the end of his life, and the disciples here his leaving, and what they would do once he was gone. Close to the end, they approached their master and they asked, What will we do? He said, "Oh, you see?
0: What will we see, they said,
1: when you are gone? And with a twinkle in his eye, the master said, all I ever did was to sit on the river bank, handing out water to you. After I'm gone, I trust you will notice that the river is still there.
0: That's the lesson
1: we all need to hear. Life comes to the river not the people who give us the water. The river of grace, grace remains. The
0: presence of God sustains us. Even when we come, come to the end, end
1: of one part of our journey,
0: God has more stories to write for us, us
1: in, in us, and through in us in this life and the next. My last story, comes. promise. I mentioned the fire community, was a historic, historic sanctuary, sanctuary built in 1881. While um, the, the church, church actually built a new sanctuary a couple of years earlier because it was growing, growing fairly quickly, quickly nevertheless, this, this historic sanctuary was so important for all, all of us. us. It was a visual centerpiece of the campus, campus. It was a place of gratitude and memory to so many of us longtime people there. there. Our, Our daughter was married in that building, and, building and I Led worship there for more than 20 years. and I had this incredibly strong feelings about that space and so my heart was broken at the fact that this place had suffered this great damage in the fire. Well, the decision was made to save the building if at all possible. And by the grace of God's absolutely remarkable architectural work, they were able to do that.
0: The outside, outside of the sanctuary the looked much the same, same as always
1: had, but the big question going forward was,
0: what purpose should the building serve,
1: since they now have another worship space in which they gather? They the decision was eventually made to turn it into a flexible ministry center that would be used, used for, a for a wide variety, variety of purposes, that is exactly
0: what has happened.
1: While it well, it still looks very, looks very much, much the same from the outside, outside while they still have those beautiful stained glass windows, it is now used for different purposes every day of the week. Well, well Carol and I got I to go back a few months ago to see it for the first time, since it, time, since it we've done. A magic had been redone. Imagine our delight when we walked, walked into, into that space and started looking around the walls of the, the former sanctuary although they had adorned those walls with pictures of what that building had been used for over the years. And I started walking around them and I stopped short at one. Because in that, was a painting done by a man named Jim Payne. And there was a pastor in that picture that was kind of like a being a whole lot younger, sitting on the floor. With the children of that church. And the title of the picture was, The Future of the Church. Hope. God's gift of love to all God's people. Thanks be. I invite you now to stand if you are able to share a time of response to the Word of God as we say together what it is we believe using the words of the Apostles Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we come down to a time of prayer, I would invite you to remember all those of your company who need God's blessing. There are those right now in this fellowship who are dealing with illness. Please keep them in your prayers today. Please remember Ashley and family as she is away on her sabbatical time in your prayers today. Pray as well for uh, the larger church of Jesus Christ. Let us by all means continue to pray for our nation. Let's pray for the world in which we live. that It will in some way be a place of greater peace and hope. Let us pray. God of the past present and future we come today acknowledging our dependence on you and giving thanks for your love for us we give thanks that you hear our prayers the ones we speak aloud and the ones that emerge only from deep within our hearts thank you for hearing us now and always as we pray. Holy God, we pray today for all those who need prayer, for those who are dealing with illness, for those who are dealing with stress in their lives, difficulty in their relationships, a loss of hope in their lives. We pray that you will give to each of these some reminder of your love for them, your healing grace, your gifts of love and hope. We pray for this congregation. We thank you for its remarkable history and for its continuing faithfulness. We give thanks for the future that you even now are preparing for it. Help us to live boldly as those who believe that future is assured and that we will get there in hope. Holy God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders of government. We pray for all those who make important decisions, even in these very days, that they will be guided by your principles, by your love, by your justice, and by your hope. And we pray for our world, oh God. We know that there is so much brokenness, far too much hatred, far too much lack of understanding, too many places where there are people who truly have lost hope. May your gifts of love, grace, and encouragement touch them in some way this day, we pray. In the name of, and for the sake of Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior who teaches us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We come into this place in God's invitation and with the blessing of all of God's good gifts. It is right that we at this time say thank you to the Lord as we present unto the Lord our tithes and our offerings. of our brothers and sisters, those who have such great need. We ask now that you will use these gifts as you used with fish and loaves of old. Multiply them and feed and nurture many by your wondrous grace. And help us to realize each dollar that we give, each hour that we share, each moment of prayer we dedicate to you does in fact contribute to the furthering of your kingdom on earth. In Jesus' name, we make this commitment. Amen. Now sing the last hymn together, please. I want you to sing it with trust and hope. My hope is built on nothing less. <laughs>